now, so why don't we give him a bit of a warm welcome. Oh, good morning, God's frozen chosen. A bit fresh, isn't it? For those of you who haven't met, um, my name's Kevin. It's a very easy name to remember, Kevin like heaven. And uh, I'm the team leader at the Church of Christ in Warrigal. And so uh, today I have the privilege of being here with you. So thank you for being here. Right, I want to share with you this morning from the book of Hebrews, being connected to God's purpose. You know, we all have the energy and all the creative power of God within us to do all that is pleasing to Him. And each of us is connected to God's purpose. God's placed us here and He's placed within us the wonderful treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of Christ within to do all that He's planned for us to do. So no matter what age we are, God has a plan to be outworked. Caleb was 85 years of age but still as strong as he was when he was a 40-year-old because he had a vision to possess what God had planned for him. Jeremiah, God knew him even before he was formed in the womb when God called him to be the prophet of Israel and he said, well, I'm only a child. And what about the small boy with the loaves and fish? We don't even know his name and yet God used him to accomplish his purposes. But this morning we're talking about Moses. There are three 40-year periods in the life of Moses. There was the 40 years when he was brought up in the palace of the Pharaoh. There were 40 years when he was in the desert where he learned many things about God and about himself and about his future. And then there was the 40 years where he was the leader of Israel. But God planted a seed in Moses' life and he protected that seed until it was fully developed. You and I are connected to the purposes of God and he sees what is yet to be developed in them. But the choices that we make in life have a direct bearing on how that plan comes forth. So this morning we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. But I want to start in verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. Moses is described as no ordinary child in the sense that he was set apart for the purposes of God. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 2, it describes him as a fine child, a beautiful child. But the faith of Moses began with the faith of his parents. Verse 23 here tells us that the parents of Moses saw 
that he was no ordinary child, a beautiful child. Not merely a handsome or beautiful child, but they saw something else in Moses. Now all normal parents feel that their child is beautiful, even when the truth may be that that child has the face that only a mother could love. He was not only handsome, but he was a gifted and unusually promised baby. There was some sort of mark upon this baby that was seen by the parents which gave the promise of something out of the ordinary for him. His parents saw what he was physically like, but they also saw the godly potential that was within him. And they knew that God had a purpose for him. They didn't see everything, but they knew that somehow he was connected to God's purpose and so they hid him to prevent him from being killed. Firstly, Moses refused some things. Jesus said at the beginning of being a disciple, we are to say no to self. He warned us that suffering and hardship were part of the calling. He said a follower must deny himself, must take up his cross daily and follow him and wholeheartedly accept God's plan. Sometimes we're selfish, considering ourselves more highly than others, thinking we're more important or that our plans or our priorities are more important than someone else's, even more important than perhaps what God has planned for us. It's not an easy thing to say no to our own plans or our own priorities, even when it hurts to do so and to surrender to the will of God. From personal experience, we wanted to become missionaries. And in the part of the process, or during that whole process, we moved to Papua New Guinea, which I thought was fine. But also we moved to Adelaide, which I didn't think was fine. I thought Adelaide was about the ends of the earth. And then I realized that this was all scriptural and biblical. But learning to say no sometimes is very difficult. Learning to live in submission to God's will is an essential part of allowing God to outwork his plans within us. So why did Moses say no to being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? He refused to be identified with Pharaoh and Egypt because he'd been born an Israelite. He'd, he trained in Egypt for 40 years and he was brought up as an Egyptian he was very well educated. His deeds, his acts and his wisdom were known throughout Egypt. He had the opportunity to be worldly. He had the world at his feet. He had the best of everything available. He had access to everything. But he said no to many of those things. And even after 40 years in an environment which could have caused him to lose his identity... Moses knew that his identity was in God. He lived in Egypt. He was educated as an Egyptian. He knew all the cultural ways of the Egyptians. But underneath, he knew that he was God's man. Never forget who you are. Never forget who you belong to. God's child. Moses' position as the son of Pharaoh's daughter in the palace 
gave him wonderful opportunities. But he said no to many of them. He understood that God had a far greater and different purpose for his life. Maybe you can just move that first slide. There you are. Very good. He saw by faith that there was much more to life than being an Egyptian. Instead, he made the choice to follow God's plan because he knew God had a purpose for his life. God had preserved his life. God had kept his plan for Moses alive and this was really a miracle of God's divine care. So Moses said no to some things. He refused some things. That's a choice that in following God we have to make. But Moses also chose some things. He didn't choose blessing. He didn't choose comfort. He didn't try to get something from God. But he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than the pleasures of sin for a season. Egypt is really a picture of the world. There would have been pressures, expectations to conform to the ways and the values of the world. Not really much different today. But, jo- but Moses chose a different path, a better path, in line with God's plan. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we should not be conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Scripture also tells us that we should seek first the kingdom of God and that we should trust the Lord and He will direct our paths. It's true that affliction and suffering come to all of us at some point in time and very often not by choice. But here we find that Moses actually chose this deliberately, choosing the unpopular way of pain, of suffering, of difficulty and the narrow path of obedience that Jesus spoke about. It's not an easy choice to make if our goal is the pursuit of money or treasures or some easy life. Jesus himself chose total obedience, even to death on the cross. The Apostle Paul said, he chooses to know Christ above all else. So Moses refused some things, and he chose some things. But we also see that he placed great value on some things. You see, God has qualities and values that he wants us to firmly establish in our lives. Things like loving, forgiving, being kind, doing good, treating others well. It is true, though, that some people follow the values of this life, even in serving God. Serving God is a wonderful thing to do. But some people choose to serve God for money, some for riches, some for fame, some for power, some for position. These are the wrong motives to serve God and are all temporary things. But Moses valued what was yet to come. He saw the earthly suffering of Christ as being highly valuable And it said he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. How can you see something that's invisible? Well, Moses saw it by faith. 
And you may be asking, well, what does this mean about Moses seeing the reproach of Christ as valuable? After all, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. But in this scripture, the word Christ comes from a Hebrew word which means Messiah or the promised one. So Moses had faith in God's overall eternal plan, including the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. He chose to identify with God's people at a time that this particular time was a difficult time for the people of Israel. But it's a picture of those who would bear the suffering after Jesus' earthly ministry. And so when Jesus suffered, he suffered with Christ, the same Christ that we identify with today. He understood that this world and this life that we live is only temporary and he was looking ahead for the eternal reward for faithful service. You see, faith is total trust, relying on God when looking to the future and obeying even when we don't fully understand all of the details. Our walk with the Lord is a walk of faith. It's one step at a time. And ultimately that means trusting God's intent to make good on the promises that he makes to us from an eternal perspective. Romans chapter 8 verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. You see, looking beyond this life to an eternal reward gives meaning and value to the difficulties that we sometimes face. Moses somehow received power to make those choices and to keep his values unchanged. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. You see, God's invested his life in us, and in return we have only one life to invest for God. His investment in us should make the difference with how we think, how we live, how we act, how we treat each other. Now we may be here this morning thinking, well, I can't be used much of the Lord. I lack the ability, I lack the talent, I lack the confidence. But God uses the weak, the lowly things to confound the wise, the foolish things, that through them he would display his power. In fact, Jesus chose you. You did not choose him. And he has a purpose for each one of us. Our faithfulness to him and his rulership in our lives means that he has the right to direct our lives. And we have the responsibility to be guided by him. Many people ask, oh, what's God's will for my life? Well, you have to seek it. You have to ask him. Many people ask, well, what has God planned for me? Well, you need to ask him. You need to search, search it out. Without God, we can do nothing. And it's wrong to think that on our own we should seek to develop ourselves 
in a way which keeps God out of the equation. We need to actively seek the Lord about what He wants for our lives. Now, I love churches that don't have clocks, and I have absolutely no idea what the time is. But my wife believes in signs and wonders. She goes like that to give me the sign, and I wonder what she's saying. Is it nearly quarter past ten? It is. All right. Well, just quickly as I finish this morning, maybe just some personal things I could share with you about Brenda and my walk with the Lord over all these years. We came to the Lord in 1979. That's uh, quite a while ago, and some of you here would have been Christians a lot longer than that. But the things we learned in trying to find God's will for our lives were this. The first thing we had to do was surrender our lives totally to Him. When we became Christians, we decided, yes, we're going to follow the Lord and we're going to give our lives to Him. Then we had to seek out and try to develop an understanding of God's specific will for our lives. And in our case, it was to go to the mission field. But we had to find it. And that process took many years. And in fact, at one point, it looked like it wasn't going to happen at all. But it ended up we did 25 years in missionary work. But we had to seek it to find out what his specific will was for our lives. But it unfolded over a long period of time. Then we had to take small faith steps and God began to reveal his will. We began to feed whatever that call was in our life began to read books, we began to talk to missionaries, we began to really feed on that call. There were many choices we had to make. How did we really know the pathway that God has for us? Well, there were a number of things. There was the scripture which confirmed it. There were words of wisdom that were given to us. There was a thing called common sense. There were circumstances. There was God's timing. And there was the wise counsel of other people. These were all part of us seeking where and how God would use us. But in all of that, we maintained a deep desire to do what God wanted us to do. Even in coming back to Warrigal after all those years, having absolutely no idea that we would be doing what we're doing today in ministry. But we always want to do what God wants. We had to learn to think big because small thinking can be restrictive and can limit your vision. We had to be willing to break out of our comfort zone, which is not always easy. Being in a place where God could really speak into our hearts and lives just made us more passionate about serving God. We had to learn to look beyond ourselves, to get a bigger vision, to see the bigger plan of what God was doing. And we found that that constantly stirred us, motivated us and challenged us to embrace some of the most unlovely things in life. We've probably seen the worst of many things in our missionary career. But we always found that positioning ourselves in the place where God could touch our hearts, where God could speak to us, 
where God could really affect our lives, made a big difference and brought about change on the inside of us. Somehow, God used us. We're still amazed how that happened. And I believe he's still using us today. And we're just as keen to serve the Lord today as we were that first day we finally went to the mission field. So can I encourage you this morning? God has a plan. God plants seeds in our life. But it means you've got to make some choices in order for it to outwork. You might need to say no to some things. You might need to choose to do certain things and not others. But above all, you need to value the eternal things that God has for each of us. May God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Eleanor.